0: Hello and welcome to Legal Tech Arcade with me Rob McAdam, an independent podcast about tech-driven legal service delivery and the people and products that make it all happen. Okay, so welcome to the latest episode of the Legal Tech Arcade podcast and this week I'm really pleased to be joined by Christoph Frebo, who is CEO of Della. Christoph, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Rob, and you know, very happy to uh to be here with you
0: on this show. Yeah, no, it's it's great to have you on and I'm I'm really excited to have the conversation today. Um I think I think you know um because you've listened to the episodes before, uh, that we we play on the whole arcade theme to to create this icebreaker for guests. So I'm going to ask you uh, the, the question that we always ask, which is um, what your favourite video games were, and whether you're into to arcade games and console games. So wh- is that something that that kind of interests you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was always fascinated by it. I've more been playing video game on on computers. Yeah, uh, no console at home, and it was it was a whole and a hard debate with my parents actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, first video game I remember was an uh, Apple 2C load runner um, you know very arcade yeah. type of game yeah. lots of fun and but a lot of frustration as well as you were going up the level and then when you die you had to restart all over from scratch yeah uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that was you know yeah that was something um, back in the days right you you didn't have the save button all those type of things yeah I mean that's
0: the thing isn't it like um, yeah, I remember going through some games and uh, like prince i had a uh, prince of persia game on the a really old pc like they we're talking black and white it wasn't even color i don't think um and that was one that i used to go through the levels over and over again and yeah inevitably just crashed and burned at the end <laughs> I had to go all the way back to the start <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah no I, I yeah i can totally uh sympathize okay so um let's let's start perhaps with um with with the background to Della. so I guess people that, that are listening might might be aware of Della and what you guys do. Some people won't. So for those that are listening who aren't actually familiar with Della and and your product, can you tell us a bit about it? Uh, kind of what problem does it
1: solve? You know how does it work? What kind of functionality does it have? Yeah, sure. So uh, in a very simple way, um, I mean, Della is about uh, helping lawyers, you know, improve their process, their contract review process. Mm-hmm. And you know either if you're you know lawyers or uh, working at the law firms and you are analyzing historical contract or negotiating sums you know we want we want you to help you know you yeah improving your process or how you review contracts yeah when when we and that's what we we focused on and when you when we looked at dela and when we started uh, and we launched it, there were already quite a lot of a i contract review or close extraction tools on yeah, the market. Yeah. And so on our side, there were two things that came to mind initially, is that a lot of them were really, in our opinion, machine learning tools um, and where you had to be very technical to use them or you had to learn what is a model, what is a clause, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, training things. Which I would never see a lawyer actually end up doing,, yeah. you know, and I know some of them have been able to learn that, and that's great, but you know not you know i wouldn't see that you know i wouldn't expect a huge adoptions of that long term yeah and and the The challenge there is that you know these are these are new technologies, and we we have to go through that early adopter phase, and so we were wondering how do we do and we have a solution that lawyers will find very easy to use and will help them review documents. And the thing that uh, that came to mind fairly quickly is the concept of checklists that help lots of industries and di- different types of business function improve over time and start having consistent process is starting by you have a checklist and that helps you review, you know, do things task and task over again in the same ways, even with new staff new junior new colleagues all those things Mm. and then the second thing that came to mind is how do we make ai painless so that you don't feel like you have to train it and that it's scale especially when you look at most ai tool today still only focus on english languages and on certain type of document i mean the number of software today that help you review ndas is (laughs) yeah and ndas is a big problem right but it's not the only contract out there there are lots of different contracts mm-hmm. lots of different industries so how do you help industries who don 't have the volumes um to to analyze those documents easily and and benefit from this advance in ai yeah
0: yeah it's a it's a it's a really interesting one actually because you're right that a lot of the tools that are currently used they almost require so much effort just to just to start getting value out of those tools and you kind of touched on it in terms of Sourcing the 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 right datasets, running the training, kind of configuring it in the right way, and only after you've done all of that, you might start getting some usable output from from those tools. And I think that's a real problem. It's a really, when you think about it, kind of a weird weird approach that you that as a customer you have to put so much effort to to get value out of it. So it sounds like what you're doing is just kind of going straight to the the heart of the issue, which is, you know, you need a tool that's going to give you give you information, give you answers about your contracts, and, and we'll do that quicker than some of these other tools. Um, but but you, t- you just mentioned training there. So, I mean, how does it work with, with Della? Is there a lot of training
1: involved? Um, it sounds like it could be quite streamlined. So, but actually, on our side, we want to have a tool that you don't necessarily are going to have to train. It doesn't mean that we don't need training, but it, what it means is that if you have a checklist to help you review a contract, in theory, you are already, you know, you're already one step further than if you are just reviewing a contract mm-hmm. you know, by yourself. And then, and maybe I need to get a little bit more in detail about what DELA does, is that those checklists are created with questions yeah. that you ask, and OAI has learned to answer those questions. And it's learning to answer questions it has never seen. And so what we see very often is that even when you type a new question as a client and so the user of DELA, we get already, you know, quite a good accuracy, you know, and even in new languages, we might be at 50% accuracy, but that's already something because we are already helping you identify some of the information faster. Yeah. And the more you, you you go through your document, you ch- cross your checklist, you correct some of the information, the more the system learns. And so, you know, we are able to deliver value very quickly. I mean, and, and in... And the best example are in new languages, you know, I mean, these days, um, you know, actually, you know, I, I did a demo yesterday in Swedish and, you know, loading a Swedish NDA is asking questions in English and, you, know, you <laughs> know, more than, you know, 60, 70% of the question were correct according of the lawyer on the other side of the video, uh, cool. Yeah. You know, I couldn't tell, but that's, you know, that scalability is what we've been searching for. How do we, Find a way so that people don't spend time training the a system. They just spend time reviewing documents, and like many tools, you know, the more they use uh, the system, the better it becomes, and and the faster it is. But we 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 really want to save time from the first week, yeah. Uh, and you know, and I think we are, you know, the reason we're successful right now is because I think we are deliver delivering on that promise
0: yeah I, it's a really interesting approach so uh, you know you've, you've just mentioned it there and maybe maybe you can go into a bit more detail about it but it's this concept of asking questions and i think again this is an area that Della, i guess differs from other providers other providers will be very much focused on saying okay we've reviewed these contracts these clauses are present this is what this clause says or this is the text of this clause and that's not how you want to interact with information you know that's just my personal opinion as a as a as a user I, it's great to have data categorized it's great to have it help me hone in on some of the clauses that might be relevant to me but ultimately what i'm after is an answer to a question i i want to know you know what what was the consideration paid on this clause or does this clause contain a you know a, a rent um You know, rent review provision, and you know what 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 is the actual provisions around that? Not just here's the provision, here's the text. And it sounds like Della actually does that by by using these questions, so you can actually ask the questions of the system, and it will provide you with the answer. Um, But you mentioned a minute ago there as well that you could almost ask questions that haven't been asked before, and it it can kind of handle new questions, which I which I find fascinating. So can you just talk around? you know, how, how a user interacts with Della and these questions uh, in a bit more
1: detail. Yeah. So what, what AI does is that it's learning to answer the question you are typing. Um, and I mean, like like every system, you know, you have to learn sometime to, to, to ask a question. So a, a good way to to, to to explain that is that instead of uh, the question you always have in your mind, it's more the question you will ask a, a young pile Mm-hmm. You know, or how you will explain to a young party girl how she need to check or he need to check uh, a, a document. And so where you are wording out a little bit the long le, the legal concept of what you are looking for. Once you are doing that, the the system has seen so many questions. I think you know this stage we're crossing, getting to close to millions of examples of you know, questions and answers on in different languages, different type of documents. Mm-hmm. And, and all AI has been able to generalize, you know, and, and yeah, you can, if you change some word in a question, it, it, might, it will give you a different answer, you know. And and that's um, that's where it's interesting. So when you look at the question answering capabilities of data, the, we see multiple competitive advantage. The first one is it's more natural for users. Mm. Um, it, you know, we have a, a very big law firm starting a new project this week, and for the first time, it was a partner who actually created the checklist on Dela. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, but it, it was quite simple. You know, they, he came up with all the things he wants to know about those contracts, and he's giving the task for his, you know, his uh, his uh, colleague to, to review the document in della. But that was very very simple. And that's that's what we're striving for. Mm-hmm. And the second aspect, as I mentioned earlier, is the scalability, because instead of trying to learn to recognize by similarity one clause and then you have to train for another clause and something else. On other side, we have one massive model that is learning to answer any question you are throwing at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I would say if there is a third advantage on this is that the AI, the academic world, is making huge advancement on question answering. And so, what we're able to do today is probably a shadow to what we will be able to do in a couple of years from now, with what we are seeing happening and what our R&D team is starting to work on. Um, and we we might touch base on that later. But yeah. You
0: know, so, did you think we're going to see a kind of a future then, where actually the kind of current current model of lawyers having you know throwing a load of legal analysts and legal engineers a a big kind of document review project training? AI systems and finding data sets. Do you think that's almost going to become a thing of the past and, and people will be interacting and and finding information within contracts in the way that, that you're kind of moving towards, which is actually just straight up interrogate and ask questions
1: of the system and get those answers back. I mean, that's an interesting question. I think whenever you're looking at a massive, uh, you know a massive project, having staff that can help even from a project management standpoint and can you know interact with the vendors on any type of thing, I think it's a very important role. Um, and and so will the legal technologies work you know will disappear from big law firm i don't I don't think so. I think you know I think law firm are going to use more and more different type of technologies and we need those type of tech specialists to to be there. But in the meantime, uh, what we see on our side is that at least, you know, AI tools don't necessarily require that wall to be, you know, to be used and implemented. Mm. I mean, among your clients, we have, I mean, I think the smallest law firm we have is uh, one solicitor, um, you know, in, in New York, you know, simply using our, our product, uh, even on a weekly basis for values contract she's reviewing. Uh, you know, we have 20, plus lawyers you know firm using all tools, and they don't have a legal technologies internally it's just it's just fitting their process quite nicely mm. uh, they're doing a lot of due diligence and they you know and it's uh it's just helping them review documents faster, helping them bring interns on board to help review or trainees, you yeah. know to help review documents yeah and that's and you know i, I every software vendor wants to strive to have something that is very easy to use right where you don't need an expert to learn to how to use it. The legal technologies is not going to be the person reviewing the document at the end, mm. um, and so that's uh, I think both are complementary, really.
0: Yeah, and and I guess you know so it, it it can answer questions, but can it flag and and provide guidance? So it can kind of you you can ask a question, you get an answer back, and it can give you some some steer as to whether um, the the result is a problem or not based on certain criteria. Does it does it do that as well?
1: Yeah, so you can configure what your expected answer are, yeah. uh, and detect possible red flags. And today, you know, because we are in this whole process, continuous process improvement, you know, people are entering their old guidelines and how they want people to review the document in there, so that you're, you're you're able to look at, okay, this is a question, this is the answer in this document, and this is a guideline that you know, maybe knowledge management or these legal technologies so or the partners have provided. In how we actually want to check those contracts. Hmm. So it's 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 not just a tool to speed up contract review at the end. It's a tool also to yeah, really to improve that process as I was mentioning at the beginning. It's amazing actually when you think about it, and you think about uh like a junior lawyer who
0: has to trawl through a contract to to find the answers to their questions in in a traditional method, and then has to talk to their supervisors or partners to understand whether those things are a problem this this cuts out all of that activity essentially and you could sit there ask a question or you could be told what questions to ask you could ask those questions system provides the information back and then actually says okay this is a problem this is what you need to think about this is unacceptable from our you know from our perspective so we should push back and go for a, a much more measured position it's um, it's really shortcutting that 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 document review and actually getting the user to the value so much quicker than they would do otherwise. So it, it absolutely sounds um, fascinating. I, you know, I've been lucky enough to to see it. You, you were very kind enough to get, to give me a demo recently, and I think it's a fantastic system. It really is. Um, but I want to move on to a little bit more about you, if if I may, Christoph. So I I believe that you started your career as a as a software engineer actually, and so a lot of the a lot of the founders that we've had on the on the podcast actually have, have come from law. Um, and you're, I think maybe the first to no, maybe the second person to come on who kind of works in the legal tech space that doesn't have a legal background, which I think is fantastic because, uh, yeah, I, I, used to be a lawyer and it's, um, yeah, it's not, it's certainly not a badge of honor, but, um, what's your career path been then? So what, what's kind of taken you from, from software engineer, probably outside the legal domain to founder and CEO of a kind of a legal AI company?
1: Yeah, so um I studied as a software engineer but I was I was fascinated by how software can help solve business problems. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually working for um Accenture at the time helping design complex software solutions for clients, you know, working for banks, uh, insurance company. I worked both in France and the States mm-hmm. um doing that and and so you you get you start getting a lot of confidence when you do that, and you realize that there are so many people out there that you know you you don't necessarily need to work for a big consultancy firm to have fun. And uh, back in two thousand nine, I had lots of friends in the um, the finance industry in the in New York, and I ended up creating my first business. Then, you know, actually creating most of the software initially myself until I could grow and you know. Um, and it was a very successful business. We, you know, I, I sold it to a company called Investment uh, and where, we you know, it was a lot of fun, you know, growing from zero to uh, a million of revenue and in and creating a product that people like to use. But when, you know, but that was the first time I was really confronted with the legal function uh, and realizing that my, you know, my lawyers uh, were working crazy hours, uh, you know, even during the sale of the company. Um, and, and that it was a very inefficient process. Mm. And then, you know, I, I stayed at the basement, started looking at that time, actually, into of, you know, could I, could I build a software uh, that had my, you know, my, you know, I mean. Lawyers and at, at that time the lawyer who helped me initially became a very good friend, you know So I was really focusing on how can I, I make his life easier? There must to be something and then Even at the investment, I realized that I mean there were a couple of companies that we didn't acquire because they had issued their contract You know so painful for the entrepreneur when you think of it, right? I mean, it's it's you know, yeah It's you know, it's, it's very I mean, it's it's, it's very impactful and also that you know, even all legal function internally was, you know, was the only part of the business that didn't scale, and was you know it could create huge bottlenecks for the growth of the business, and and you know, and so that really created that sensibility that I have because I've been through now software development, product, uh, I helped grow all the European operation for investment. so you know, customer success, sales, etc., and you see all those continuous improvement process in place everywhere. Except in legal except legal, yeah. You're you are like, there is something here, like we you know. And so I, I feel like at least on my side, uh I'm I'm trying to bring a lot of the, the fantastic, you know, process improvement I've seen in many departments and you know and functions, trying to bring that to the legal world. Um mm. and that's you know and, and that's I, I personally I think that's you know, that's super interesting. It is. It is. I like um,
0: I like the I like the idea that you essentially took pity on the lawyers, and uh, you wanted to help them out because uh, they 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 do need a lot of help. And you're absolutely right that it's one of those rare areas that operates slightly differently to to the rest of the business. Um, but the the gains and the improvements to be had are so obvious to anyone from outside looking in. But sometimes they're just not not necessarily evident to the uh, to the lawyers, or at least it's not evident how
1: they solve those problems. So that's really I yeah, mean, interesting. I mean. Seriously, I mean, I was, you know, I had a question about, you know, the, 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 you know, the share purchase agreement Mm. and (laughs) I sent a question late at night. He called me back (laughs) and then I realized that he just had a baby. He was feeding him, you know, and it was probably 11 p.m. at night and answering my question at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane. Yeah, like, you know, this is not alive. Well um I mean I So anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, that reminds me, I can I can pinpoint the exact moment I decided that I was gonna quit law. Um and sorry just take the conversation off on a slightly different direction, but because you've just mentioned it. Um it was I, I'd just done paternity leave for the after the birth of our first daughter and uh, I went back and was straight into a, a big private equity deal. Um and I think it was about 3am and I'm still sitting at my desk in the office, um, probably doing, you know, pouring over the diligence report or the data room or, so, or something like that. Um, and uh, I can remember my wife called me um, and, and she'd kind of woke up for the middle of the night to do the feed for, for our new daughter in the middle of the night. And it's 3am and, and I'm still at my desk. And I can remember just thinking, yeah, that's that's enough for me. It's it's too much. It's crazy. So yeah, I can sympathize with uh, with that lawyer that uh, that called you. Absolutely
1: yeah no. I mean at the beginning when we started dela, we used to joke that our goal was to make sure a lawyer could be uh, home having dinner with a kid you know at six p m or seven p m on friday night yeah yeah and, you know we you know if if there are some teams we we' allowed to do that instead of spending their time reviewing contracts uh, for late due diligence that that would be fantastic
0: i I like that as a mission statement you know almost kind of give give lawyers their lives back. Is kind of uh, is is a great mission statement and one I completely support. Um, but but so then, continue the story if you will, kind of and and take us kind of forward into kind of how you you kind of came to 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 found Della and where the kind of initial idea came from.
1: Yeah. So um, when I left uh, when I left Nasdaq Net- at the time, I realized that. You know, so I wanted to go back, create a business, and I I was set on legal tech and, and using AI. You know, I've been following all the improvement in AI since 2014, and and I was like, this is this is something that can change. And the The big thing that I learned in in investment was the fintech business, but a really data heavy business, uh, and I realized the importance of data and the importance of collecting data in um in a very painless way for the user, and at the same time respecting all their criteria in terms of you know confidentiality et cetera, mm-hmm. and where we are connecting data on private equity funds or, or all those type of things you know you need to there there is a, a lot of the confidentiality aspect that is very important, but it doesn't mean that you can't drive value for a lot of users um and so i, I was set on how okay the the lawyer problem with contract review and all those things is going to be fixed with with a good collection of data that respect all the, you know their needs uh, of confidentiality. Mm. And that, you know, and and we after funding the business in 2019, I, I think I spent the first year really just talking with, uh, with lawyers. Uh, you know, we were just trying to evaluate how can we uh, how can we help them and the initial idea that actually we were actually more focusing on the drafting side initially so how do we help people draft those contracts you know you take a precedent you take a term sheet and you turn that into a first draft or those type of things but we realized that the first thing that we need to do is to to identify information correctly in contract and then you know we that's how we realized that people were using clauses and we saw that was very unsatisfying and not very scaling and we, you know, and we end up eventually testing question answering and realizing that was a fantastic, you know, way uh, to analyze data. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, we talked about NDAs a, uh, a bit earlier, but I remember some of the first demo we did on question answering were on loan agreement, and and getting into, you know, and showing that you can go and get answers in things that are a lot more complex uh, than just, you know just a simple couple of pages document. Mm. And that's where we started realizing, okay, well, we are up to on something. And we started, you know, evolving that product. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: So when when was the company actually when did you kind of really take off? When did when was Della really
1: founded and and kind of how many how many people have you got working for you now? Uh so I mean we started working on the IDs and et cetera in in June twenty eighteen. Um, and so, but the product became reality last year in January, 2020. Okay. And now we, I think we are 17 in the company. Yeah. So awesome.
0: But what, I mean, what, what was it like then, you know, coming, you know, coming from your background, what's it like for someone tackling legal tech kind of from, from outside of the domain, like what have you found has worked well for you approaching it from outside the domain and, and what have
1: some of the challenges been that you've, you've encountered? I mean, one of the challenges is you mentioned that on other podcasts is, you know, is, uh, that legal tech is a slow adopting industry It yeah. takes time. And so one of the challenges that I have is that, I mean, I, I, you know, I grew business from one to 12 person when I was at France sponsor, then a team at investment from five to 50, and I feel like I know exactly how to operate and execute towards the function. And, but you know, it always takes more time than I thought to, uh, for us to reach the next point so that we can scale and continue to grow. Just because, you know, and the the pandemic you know, on our side launching a product the first, you know, the year where we have COVID was not necessarily the, the easiest no, year to no. launch, <laughs> Yeah, um, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, I think, yeah, legal tech is just, it's just taking a lot of time. And a lot of people say it's because uh, lawyers are risk averse, etc. I think, in my honest opinion, that it's really just because lawyers lack time. Their processes are so are very inefficient in many ways. They have to do a lot of things manually, and so they never have time mm. to to stop and pause and look at how do I improve this process or how can I use technology. They are all they they are very often in the rush. Yeah, you know, and and that's uh, you know if you want to sell to a legal department, don't sell them on quarter you know, yeah. you know, they are not going to be able to even pick up the phone. Yeah. So this, yeah.
0: No, sorry. Sorry, Christoph. I was just saying, I've got, I've got a bit of a view on this as well, actually, because you mentioned it, this whole kind of concept of lawyers are risk averse. And I, you hear it over and over again. And I almost vendors, vendors can sometimes use it as an excuse, actually, for probably not for them, not performing better or them not finding traction. I, I completely agree. I don't, I don't think lawyers are risk averse uh, necessarily. Obviously, they are trying to reduce risk for their clients. That is what they're trying to do. But they obviously are doing that to try and deliver commercial value. They're they're doing it with a very positive frame of mind. They're trying to deliver value for their clients. and Hence, they're trying to reduce risk. But actually, I think the issue is more than it's it's not about uh, being risk averse. Lawyers are very analytical. They can pick things apart. They can put, they can find fault in in arguments, and um, they, let's be honest. I think they can they can call out bullshit, and I think that's the issue. Sometimes it's not that they're risk averse or they're hesitant or saying, "Oh, I don't know about this new system." It, it you know it could be could be too much. It looks a little bit risky. That's not what they're saying. They're looking at. I think they're looking at things and saying, I, I, "I'm yet to see I'm yet to see evidence that this is going to have an impact or value for me." um actually and so they're actually being more uh, sensible consumers and purchasers of technology um so i think it's more about that so again those vendors that that can show clear value can show clear return on investment um will do better it's it's and those that don't do well it's not because the lawyers are risk averse it's just because they they've not convinced the lawyers i mean that's just my my view on it anyway
1: yeah that i mean that's very very interesting and you in some ways very true and it's it's interesting the number of you know vendors that are already used by um you know by lawyers where you actually end up that you know i mean they are on the shelf you know taking dust and not necessarily providing value and uh and I think that's also create challenges for newcomers because lawyers sometimes spend time. You know, trying to get this value, and if it's, they are very pragmatic as you say, and if it doesn't deliver value, they are just going to stop using it. But then they are also going to spend a lot more time next time uh, when evaluating solution uh, because they've been burned a bit, Mm. Uh, and that's um, that's a challenge. Mm. In in some ways, you know, you want you know as a vendor, what you want to do is you want to have great you know uh, you want to drive value very quickly. Um, I know that, you know, one of the big law firm we're working with, they, they, you know, one of the first clients they use Dela on, uh, in terms of project, you know, it just came back and tell, told them, oh, we would like to use Dela again on, you know, on a different set of documents on something else. And so when, when you start being like a business enabler, uh, you know, that's quite, you know, that's where you are playing your role as a partner I feel.
0: Yeah yeah and and you know i spoke spoke about this with tom Dunlop on the podcast recently uh, you know again he he created some eyes focused on a very specific um uh, solution to a to a problem which was contract summaries um you're again della tackling tackling in a similar way you're focusing on a very specific problem which is you know um, answering questions about contracts um and sometimes sometimes maybe maybe systems have gone too big They've gone too grand. They've tried to do too much, and and actually, that's cost them in the long run, with uh, with with purchases and their clients because it is it's too complex and it the, the, the doesn't deliver the value. It's, it's got a confused value proposition, and it does sit on the shelf. So, keeping it simple and and kind of tackling a really obvious area of pain for customers and and making it and reducing the friction for their adoption um, is, is 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 key. And I think you you can then convince a lot of those. Um, a lot of those lawyers that might be skeptical, um, you could actually turn their opinion quite quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it your, your comment just made me sort of about some product, you know, um, guideline and, you know, it's not the feature you want to have that is hard. It's the feature you should be removing. Yeah. You, know, you want to keep products that simple, um, as much as possible. Yeah. And, um, and this is, yeah, this is, um. Where at least on my side and you know with a team I, I feel quite um you know lucky to have gathered the team that I have is like we're very diligent on on this, like you know we're listening to client feedback, but sometimes we're like this is going to complexify the system too much mm. you know so how do we solve this differently? What's really the business need behind this oh totally um, totally, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard job being being
0: a product manager or product leader. It's a hard job, but it, it, it requires you to be quite brave because you've as you say you've got to you've got to be able to say no and actually you've got to be ruthless and, and say, Why don't we just cut this out of the platform? But let's just let's just get rid of it. Because I think um one area that isn't focused a a lot on, you know, a lot of um a lot of product teams or, or products will focus on new functionality or enhancements to existing functionality, but not enough fo- focus on the um, complexity within the system and reducing that complexity. Um, uh, and and also just kind of simplifying really, and, and being more analytical about whether something's being used in the platform and, and looking at metrics to say, okay, well, we've got this module over here. Um, it's barely being used. That either means that we need to make it better, or it means actually it's not it's it's a surplus to requirements and we should consider whether we kind of get rid of it actually and, and focus on what, what is delivering value for, for our clients. And it's that kind of constant evolution and um analysis of, of the data to kind of iteratively work your way towards the, the best possible outcome for, for clients. But yeah, you're absolutely right, which is reducing complexity and saying no and, and actually looking at reducing functionality is as, is as important as creating new functionality. Yeah. So what I want to touch on now, Christoph, is um, maybe a slightly controversial question, but would you say some of the traditional AI tools that are being used by by law firms and corporate legal teams have have been getting it wrong? Have they been focusing too much on clause extraction and delivering up kind of structured contractual data, and and not enough focus has been been made on kind of delivering up actionable insight? Um, and and would you even class some of these AI tools as AI or is that is that kind of a a wrong description of them in some cases
1: i mean that's a tough question <laughs> uh you know especially you know i i mean i have lots of respect for you know a lot of the work that uh the first ai or contract analysis companies um, have put i mean a lot of them didn't have the technology we have today uh and they built a fantastic business with it mm. um the thing is that the technology have made a huge amount of progress and i think so in terms of approach, what I would say is that I think some of them may not have focused enough on the how to make their technology future-proof, and especially the data that they are gathering. Um, and you know, I hope you know for them, you know, uh, that they would prove me wrong. Um, but I think there is, you you know, assuming too much that the technology you are using today will be still the best technology to solve that problem five or six years for now in the field that is very evolving um, it's a bit arrogant in some way. And mm-hmm. so you want, I mean, and we certainly do that, you know, you want to make sure that the data you collect is going to be further proof that there is going to be, even if the technology and the core technology change, what you need to do to be able to train the models and solve the business problem of clients, you still have, uh, you know, data to be able to do that. So that's, you know, that, that's one thing I I I don't like to put all the AI tools in the same bucket. I mean, some of them are really doing what I would call AI Uh, and seeing that we we don't do at all, you know, know, for example, one of the company is quite good at doing clustering and helping people identify, you know, document that could be very unusual uh, during a a very large transactions. And that's not, you know, that's not our focus. On, On our side, we focus on helping people review the contract you know, hitting the red flag, creating the report, mm. going, you know, doing, because we know at the end, lawyers want to review, you know, most of the time, a hundred percent, you know, they want to check everything they want. They just want to check that faster, but there are capabilities today with Massey, you know that AI is, is offering that is, is quite interesting, but it's still, I agree with you, come a bit short in terms of insight, you know, and in some ways, you know, even on our side, we still come a bit short. You know, there are questions that you want to ask that we are not yet able to answer. Uh, we're working on that, but you know, sometimes you just want to ask a question on on the whole set of documents and say, Is you know, you know, is there any red flag in any of those, right? It's almost a question you want to ask. But the AI is not, you know, can't do that today. And you don't necessarily want and you wouldn't want to trust the AI to do that today. You want to guide it, you want to um uh Yeah, you want to be more in control of the process. Mm. Uh, But as you are, um, yeah, as as AI technology is evolving, I think we are going to be able to provide more and more insight, Um, and that's that's going to be quite uh, quite entertaining, I think, as a lawyer, and uh, quite an exciting time. Mm. Uh, I know, I know, we've I know we've spoken about this concept
0: before, but I think it strikes me with with how you're approaching reviewing contracts and, and finding information and accessing knowledge within contracts. It's almost like it's almost like the, the the Google of contract analysis in a way, because and this is where I think some of the the traditional AI tools have, have kind of gone wrong, which is and, and you know, again, don't get me wrong. They're they're very useful in some cases, but essentially you can feed in a lot of documents and data and get back that um, that data in a in a in a structured way you know, fitting in with a particular taxonomy maybe helps a little bit more with filtering to kind of work your way down to the information that you need to access, but it still requires you know, as we said earlier, a lot of manual effort both in setting it up and then getting the answers you need once that once that analysis has been done um, but if you think about how we try and find information in our personal lives, you know again I think the the number one way that anyone would probably try and find anything. Right now is is to go to Google and you would just put in your criteria and you would get given back the most relevant results or even you know even the actual answer you know you see the way that the Google prepares the results now that it actually it does feed you back um, you know relevant relevant answers to to your search criteria questions and it's, it strikes me that Dell is almost taking that same approach which is moving away from just just purely structuring and extracting and is actually you know allowing one point of access one question or multiple questions and, and giving those the, those responses back so that's that's kind of why i see it like google versus you know something like a yellow pages where you'd have to sift through pages and pages of information to find something that was relevant google just gives you what's
1: relevant and and Della does the same thing yeah i mean th- that's right so th- there are there are multiple points i would like to you know to reborn on this the the first one is you know you know, yellow pages or Yahoo directories or the way we used to classify information back in the days or how some legal tech vendor today use taxonomies and classifications to try to fit the legal work into boxes so Mm. that the technology can use it. I think it's very limited because, you know, the, I mean, content, information and legal work, you know, is custom, you know, it's being tailored. Every businesses have their own um, needs. And sometimes their contracts are going to vary just because that's the need of their business. And so how you do you ensure that you're analyzing that properly? You're asking the right questions. Um I mean we have uh you know we have a, a client who have developed specialized, you know, checklists for different types of clients. So the biotech you know, the, the SaaS businesses, uh, you know, a, each type of businesses they now have checklists we still have to analyze very specific points in the contract because that was very easy to do. And and so the ability to ask questions on a free-form basis, like Google, is what DELA is all about. And to, to be fully frank, right? the technology that Google is using to answer questions now, where it's not just finding the pages, but where is the answer to your question in that page, is exactly the same technology that we use at DELA. Mm. Except that on our side, we have specialized it on legal contract and understanding legal questions. But that's you know at the core. This is a similar technology.
0: Yeah, so you kind of quite literally are almost the kind of the, the Google of uh, of uh, legal AI, which is which is amazing, which is amazing. But I mean, just touching on that AI topic, or at least the you know the the actual use of AI. It's so many things right at the moment, and obviously a lot of vendors that say they they are AI vendors. Uh, there's a lot of hype usually around AI in the legal marketplace. So much so that it's, I think it's wearing people down sometimes. But um, is it the wrong AI that we're talking about? So uh, obviously the traditional use of AI, artificial intelligence, and, and it's usually spoken about in a way that you know, people present it like it's the it's the silver bullet, it's the solution to all your problems. This this artificial intelligence is going to do your do your work, do your job for you. So is there too much focus on that and not the other AI, which is augmented intelligence and, and recognizing um, the role of AI in actually playing an an assistive role that it's not just about AI doing your job. It's actually about how you can work alongside some of these more intelligent systems um, and how they can augment what you do to make you more productive and efficient. Does, does there need to be more
1: focus on augmented intelligence? I mean, uh, on all side uh, that's, that's, that's our vision right mm-hmm. we believe that especially in the legal field like how you know how do you explain the prediction of an AI you know you don't you know it's you need to check it you need you need to control it in some ways and AI pure AI is very hard to explain that's you know that you know and we've seen a lot of the controversy on you know when you use AI in for checking resume and uh, for hiring processes. And then you discover that the AI is recreating the same bias and we yes. we, we have as human, you know, so you, you want to avoid those type of things. And so I think augmented intelligence is a way to, you know, to speed up your work and still remaining control uh, of what the AI is doing. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways as well, I think you want to have AI tools with which you can interact. Because if you if you think about Della, like it's it's almost like you're asking Dela to answer a question for you, but you know, you, and you are checking the answer, but you're always in control and it's completely dynamic. So it's it's not something like you you train a system and you hope it detects the right clauses and, and maybe even that work of det- training the system was done a year or two years ago and you don't remember what bias or what type of thing might have gone into that, you know, that process here you are interacting with AI constantly and help you know in the the AI is not there to do your job it's just there to help you Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah I believe that a lot of the um, a lot of the AI tools out there you know uh, they they should be focusing on this augmented intelligence aspect Uh, and maybe it's a transition period maybe Mm -hmm. it isn't you know we time will tell when you think about the you know even other example outside of the legal world like your tesla being able to you know drive automatically yeah and and autonomously your car you know they don't do it constantly they they you know they try to just assist the driver during certain time uh so in in some ways it's very similar yeah in terms of you know they are just here to to help you um they are not there to to completely replace the driver. Yeah. I mean I'm sure Tesla want to completely replace the <laughs> yeah. driver some days, right? But then I'm sure they will uh, they they are not there yet. And, and and the world is not really necessarily ready for that yet either.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean what's your view on then things like I mean if you think about Della and the fact that you're you're typing or questions or you've got questions in the system um and they're currently written questions that will you know and you'll get answers back. What about do you think we'll see a situation where Dello is kind of interacting and working with some of the kind of voice services like a, like an Amazon Alexa um, system or the, you know, the Google or Apple equivalents so that actually lawyers could be sitting at their desk um, and actually just say, you know, ask a question about a contract and, and actually just get the answer kind of fed back to them, uh, you know, um, through, through a response given via Amazon
1: Alexa? I mean, is that, is that a situation you could see emerging? I mean, so to be completely frank, uh that was a project done during our last hackathon. So we have this working. It's okay. just not <laughs> commercialized. Uh we thought we were going to use it maybe for the next conference, uh, you know, uh, you know, whenever those reopen after, you know after lockdown, etc. But um no, I mean definitely this is you know um this is something that could work. We need to see what is the use case, is is there a business need? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, as, um, maybe as a partner, you know, during the transaction and you want to know, you know, uh, what are, you know, what, you know, and you want to ask, you know, I don't know what are the distribution agreements, with, you know, these countries or something. Mm-hmm. And today we're asking the question on each document, but we, you know, we have already, our R&D team is already working on this and we have already had some proof of concept of how you can ask questions across documents uh which is you know and something we're working in partnership with multiple virtual data room right now mm-hmm. uh to help answer question you know beyond the checklist for a specific contract is how do you almost answer the checklist on you know for your whole MA transactions. Um you know that's not something we can do today but that's something we are you know th- that's the direction we're going toward too. and I think that's a use case where the voiceover could be interesting and, mm-hmm. you know the, the ability to to ask question live. Um, you know, almost supporting you during a meeting as well. You know, you're meeting with your clients and you, do, and you, you could just say, Hey, Alexa, you know, what is your, you know, do we have anything, anything like that in one of the contracts? Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah.
0: Well, um, yeah. Having almost, yeah, I can imagine interacting with Della like you do Alexa and you'd be saying, uh, kind of, uh, you know, Hey, Hey Della. Yeah. Do do we need to serve notice on a change of control and get the, get the answer back and then you can kind of come off mute and say, okay, this is what we need to do. It's, you know, those types of things. It's just, I know it's very future, future looking, but yeah, you know, with, with tools, like I guess, like Dela, it's perhaps not a, so, as far away as we might think.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the hackathon project we had, you know, we had Bozy's voiceover. So using Alexa uh, to ask a question, and we had uh, a bot in, in Slack where you could ask a question as well, uh, you know, and and sometimes, you know, so, you know, let's say, you know, unfortunately you just had a data breach and you need to know when you need to notify your clients, you know, you can go and read all the contracts, you can go use an AI tool, but what would be fantastic in whatever, you know, team channel you are using for um, managing this project, you could just be asking the question, you know, can you tell us, you know, what is, you know, which clients need to be notified before 24 hours? Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, Again, that's not where all technology is capable. Is probably getting quite close to be able to do that. I think we need to find the right project or clients and partners to work on how we implement this. Um, that that's not the core of the service we offer today. But in in some ways, when I mentioned trying to pick a technology that is future proof, that is what I meant, right? We we I mean we are in a field where AI is, is making massive improvements in terms of question answering. This is where this is also where a new way where that people are starting to interact with technology. Mm. You know, they are using bots in Slack and Team. They are using their voice with Alexas and Series, etc. And so it it feels very natural to go toward that type of technology. Yeah, because it's it's both through the proof from an AI standpoint, but from a user experience and interaction standpoint.
0: Mm. I mean, you, you touched on it a minute ago, talking about the using the tool on multiple documents. So I guess when I think about contractual relationships, yeah, in some cases, it'll all be contained in one, one contract, one nice, neat document. It's all in there. But a lot of the time, particularly on some of the, the larger um, transactional matters, a, a contractual arrangement will be documented over several different instruments, several different documents, several different contracts. You know, that could that could also change over time, where you have things like amendment agreements and variation letters, and so actually a contract or a contract arrangement isn't just a, a one document; it, it will be many over time. So, what are, what challenges does that present for something like Delaware? You're asking questions to to get answers back about a contractual relationship that exists over several documents. I
1: mean, how how are you approaching that? So the I mean today. Uh we have had clients who have those had those challenges, and so you can solve partially some of that problem by asking additional questions today, you know like what is you know uh what type of contract mm. uh, what is the name of the contract being amended um you know what was the date of the contract being amended all those things which allow then allow you then to reconcile and do that analysis. The truth is that this is you know this works, but it's a bit and unsus- you know not satisfactory from a user experience standpoint it's not easy enough. Um and it's it's a big problem. Like on leases, you know, between the leases, the subleases, the different variations. Even finding the current rent is super complicated. You know, which seems to be a very, very simple question. And so on our side, we are you know, we all technology can very easily scale to ask the question across multiple documents. The question is how do we help identify, you know, um you know, on this question, you know, how, you know, what is the current trend? Current is the key, you know, the keyword here, you know, how do we help the system identify the current trend across a large number of documents? Hmm. Um, and, you know, and so that that's something that all R&D team is working on uh, for some of our clients. Um, but we feel, you know, we feel that, on you know, that actually, you know, question answering is a very good example of where these type of things is, you know, uh, is going to work. They were, yeah, in the, the, the research and academia world is making, I already mentioned that several times, but I think on the example you just mentioned, there was a paper that my team mentioned last week that come, came out. So it's it's always making new um, new progress in that field that we can use and leverage and apply to uh, legal problems. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm
0: so so i mean you you must have worked with and had to had to go through and interact with so many contracts um you know in, in building della um so here's a here's a, another challenging question for you then uh, and it'll be interesting to get your perspective but you know, having having built della and having kind of worked with those traditional what i call traditional contracts so you know contracts in in word or pdf or scanned pdf um so having worked with those how would you if you could start from scratch with contracts how would you redesign contracts in a way that would would lead to better outcomes when it comes to uh, making them more accessible enabling knowledge to be unlocked within those contracts more easily what would you you know if you had a uh, you, know, you could start from scratch blank piece of paper what what would that look like and how would you design contracts
1: i mean that's a uh it's a big question. A question yeah it's a big question that's, that, that's a big question um, i mean just in terms of design right you know you know word is not the perfect tool for the job it's just very you know not at all and so i think there are just a lot of you know technical software and some of them are have been built or are being built today to help people you know negotiate contract faster and store information about those contracts at the same time that they are they are being negotiated the thing that you know, I think people want to go to the next step where they are starting to we are starting to automate the contract and the execution of those contracts, and I think that's quite challenging. Um, and uh, as as a techie, you know, you your code, when you write some code, it can execute differently on multiple on different type of computer. Mm-hmm. So you you know you don't you, n- you never have really a hundred percent you know. Um, confidence that code will actually execute exactly the same way. So trying to transform language, natural language into code is it's complex. Although art written in natural languages, contract are written in natural languages, it allows for a lot of uh, nuances and, and negotiations. And so the, for me, I don't think we are quite ready yet. You know, uh, and the technology is definitely there. And, the, and I don't think the human either to be able to transform or contract into something different than text, and so if we if we're st- stuck with text, then all you are talking about for me in how you can interact better with contract is a better a better user experience. So. You want, you, know, you want the negotiation to go more most, smoothly. Most you want to help people review contract faster. Mm. You want to be able to create summaries of contract or, you know, of FAQ, like we create for certain of our clients so that, you know, their non legal be- people can actually get a sense of what's in those contract very quickly. Uh, you want to extract information from those contract into uh, value systems. And that's, you know, that's why the technology that Dela, Dela has and others, you know, are, are building to be able to analyze contract is so key because you need that technology to run behind any type of software being built mm. um, to, to enable the contract to be coming um, a living document almost where you, you know, it's what especially like, I mean, once it's signed, you want a lot of the data that come from that contract to be able to be sent to the various departments and various people. And you want to be the people who are going to be responsible for executing that contract to have the information they need. Mm. You know, I, I, I'll give you an example. Right now, we're doing um, a pilot with a very big construction company in France. And uh, the whole purpose of the exercise is to help, you know project manager on big building site, Getting very quick answer of what they need to do from a legal standpoint when certain event happen, you know, and it goes back to this, you know, chatbot. I want to be able to ask my own question, etc. But it's all, it's a, how do we make this? We how do we transform, almost most automatically, the source of truth, which is a contract, in something that is just not sitting on a shelf, but can be still used as a source of truth during a long term project like that being used by the business. Um, I don't know if that you know. Maybe I went too much on a tangent here. No, that's I, you know.
0: no, it's a it's a it's a really good answer. And you know, you I think what you were alluding to, um, a moment ago was that that kind of whole smart contracts approach. You know, where a lot, a lot of people talking about you know, break you know, turning contracts into code and automated execution of those those, those contracts. But being honest, I'm just not I'm 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 not interested in that. I'm not I'm not I'm not there yet. I think there's a there's an immediate step that could be taken. That's just um it's just actually drafting and preparing contracts in a different way so it's they're entirely unstructured data at the moment um and it's just i think drafting it in a structured way and drafting contracts so that they are stru- they are structured data from the starting point all the way through negotiation um is going to lead to such better results because then you know you're breaking down provisions clauses into essentially kind of objects uh, you could link those objects um, together you could classify those as well um, and so you start to build up kind of a real structure of 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 the contracts, of relationships of information um, there's a hierarchy there's relationships between them and and I think if you can get to that point then actually that that does the job of some of some of what AI actually tackles is already done because you've got that you've got that kind of structured data and taxonomy that un- underpins everything, and so if you need to find information, it's it's kind of there, and, and someone's already done the thinking about how this data, what's relevant and how it relates to to, to each other, and you know that that's the case across documents as well. And so I think just to, as a starting point, if we could move to that and, and stop thinking about drafting contracts in Microsoft Word. <laughs> And I don't know what the answer is, honestly. I don't yet. But um...
1: so for yeah, I mean, so for me, that that's interesting what you just said because I feel like you know, creating us, you know, creating a contract in a way where you can extract the information automatically. and have that in the system is great. You know, the there are two challenges with that is that you 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 actually often don't know what you don't know. You don't know that a pandemic is going to happen. You don't know that uh, a new regulation is going to happen, and. And that you are going to be able to track additional information about that contract later on, and that you know that goes back to the you know the the Yahoo directory mm. versus Google analogy we had earlier. You try to get catalogs and tech, you know use a taxonomy to car- organize everything, and I think that's great. You know, especially if it meets 80% of your need, right? You know, that's you know doing that is is fantastic. But you always have to rely that you may always have to go on and try to interrogate additional um a different thing and in on our side we're we're working with a contract management system provided by voters in you know across europe Mm. and their clients have asked them exactly that to be able to ask additional questions on their set of contracts so that they can add new data pointer you know as the business need arise and on my side i feel like in many ways you know instead of trying to transform you know yeah i mean contract into code or complete data, you know, you having AI that is able to read that contract and, you know, extract the data based on, you know, uh, the latest advancement, the latest knowledge and what your business is on that moment is where we are going toward To I mean, I, you know, the whole transforming the, extracting the um, data from the contract is a problem that is pretty much solved now. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, and as AI you know, AI on pure tech data extractions, you know uh, of contract is something that is really going to become a community in many ways mm-hmm. uh, over, over the years so, I'd, you know, if I was a software vendor trying to organize, you know, contract lifecycle and all those things I would, I would try to see, okay, how do I work with an AI, you know, solution that can help me extract that information but when, you know, that is so that even if it was not entered by the user initially or that you know or if the taxonomy has to change later on that it can still work yeah um you know yeah i still you know we are going back to the same theme but you know thinking that you can think ahead of time of all the problem or the information you are going to have Mm. and you are going to have all your information at the fingertip yeah you know, it's you it's not always going to work. Well, it goes back.
0: Uh, it goes back to the augmented point, doesn't it? Which is actually yeah. there's it, there's there's two approaches. We need tools like Della, and we need the AI tools, but we also need people to be working in different ways as well up front. And together, that'll produce cumulatively a much better outcome for 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 lawyers. Actually, going down one route or the other would also create a better outcome for lawyers. Um, doing nothing is going to create the worst outcome. So. Um, yeah, I completely agree that you can't think about everything. You're going to need to be able to use the AI tools to add over time. Um, but uh, I defi- some of
1: the some of the use cases we have with legal department today are a lot. You know, so we we are some of them have pushed to start using Dela on negotiations because we can help them transform their playbook into checklist. But the real use cases that many have studied ways is they had business questions, they had compliance issues, they had, you know, and they needed to know what's inside a lot of documents. Mm. And they needed to do, be able to do that very, you know, dynamically. And what is quite cool about some of those clients is that sometime even three months later, they told us, oh, we actually reused Dela for this new business question we had, you know, and we got to answer fairly quickly uh, across a large set of documents. And that's that's, you know, that's quite interesting when mm-hmm. you are, you, you, you're you able to help with, uh, with the unknown, you know, they weren't prepared to answer that question, but instead of having to spend a week going through documents, trying to get it, you know, they got it, you know, mm-hmm. on the same day, very simply. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's quite, uh, I find that quite fascinating personally.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I always talk about whenever I talk about contracts and this kind of, this idea I have about breaking them down and, you know, having Clauses as as kind of objects and and tracking different versions of those clauses and objects. Um, the reason the reason I talk about that is because I've got I kind of I just think there's an opportunity to to support better contract negotiation. So if you imagine anyone who's negotiated contracts, there's there's various different versions. There they are. Clauses are amended. Positions are changed all the way throughout. Now, if you had a complete audit trail of those clauses of the changes and how they were made, or even looking at um, if if a change was made to this clause then we had to compromise on another clause. If you've got that pattern in history and, and a lot of law firms do because they're sitting on documents, if you've got that pattern in history, then that could actually intelligently inform the way you negotiate documents. Kind of saying it would then be able to say this is how this is this is how this clause is commonly amended. Um, this is if you accept this position, then we would suggest you actually you know push harder in this area of the contract over here. That's the kind of situation I think we could get to. And, and even more than that, actually, I think there's also a really interesting um, opportunity. Law firms work on their precedents all the time. So again, for a law firm, they've negotiated contracts from Clifford Chance. They've negotiated contracts from Norton Rose, from Lynx, whatever it might be. And so they've also got that categorization of data as well. So you could actually get really specific and you might have a system that you, can, you, you receive a, a contract in from, say, a, a Clifford Chance and the system goes, okay, I recognize this as a Clifford Chance precedent. Here's a suggested markup of the, of the first draft. And, you know, this is how we think Clifford Chance are actually going to push back. And you could get even more specific down to this precise lawyer who's negotiating on the other side. Um, you know, maybe I'm, going, maybe I'm going way out there here, but I think that's, that's where I think we could get to actually, which is kind of intelligent negotiation.
1: Yeah, so the the I mean I, I mean I I agree with you on the intelligent negotiations. I think the example you use, I am wondering how it works at scale, because we're talking about precedent here, where even so we're talking about very big law firms, you know, starting to recognize this is this comp, you know, this law firm precedent, etc. I'm wondering to to what extent we have enough uh volume to be able to do exactly what you describe. Mm. What are, the, I mean, the way we we are thinking about it, uh, again, on our side is, you know, instead of thinking of clauses, we're thinking about questions. Uh, so that the question, very often, they are going to record changes. You you may have three or four questions for a single clauses And you are going to be able to detect. Uh, so if you are in Word, you know, they are editing in Word. And, you know, if it's a Word that we are working on right now. You are able to detect. Okay, they they change they they change the answer to the question. They were a red flag, uh, and they are now getting the answer that they were expecting. But that allows you to detect which part of the document was required to be changed mm-hmm. to change the the answer to the question as well. And so, especially when you are considering like answer to question can be in multiple parts of the document. Um, that's you know that that start to be you know in all in all mind more. Um, uh, adaptable than just thinking in terms of clauses Yeah. but I mean the clauses aspect will you know it, it, it's going to work it's just uh, it, it's the same problem that those AI tools have, have is that it's going to work on, in English on certain type of document and you need to do the same type of work on effort mm. for every new kind of clauses and it's very hard to generalize I, I feel yeah so so, um, so it
0: sounds like you are looking at this kind of negotiation point and almost having the kind of concept of tolerances. So you can still have your questions, but as the negotiation takes place, you'll get notified where things start to, to creep outside the normal
1: range or the acceptable range
0: for specific questions.
1: Yeah, so we I mean, for now we are, you know, so people are asking us to use Dela uh to to review incoming documents, especially when it's not their paper. And so this is an opportunity for us to, to provide first of all a checklist and you know right now we just provide the guideline, etc. But the next things people want, you know, they already mentioned that is so that we exactly like you mentioned earlier, that we remember what type of modification have they made, you know, when a red flag was raised by the system or even you know, on other things, what like what type of modification they made so that we could remember their modification and help them improve negotiation in the future. Mm-hmm. And so but on, on our side, we we are trying to find a way to make that scalable, just like with the question answering. So we are trying to find a way where, you know, instead of having to work very hard to reviews and redline NDAs, we pretty much have it, we, we, we want to find the techn- the right technology mix so that we could do that and learn across that different type of document, different type of languages very easily. Yeah. Um, we are not there yet. You know, today we are just helping you know, provide that playbook or checklist directly into word speeding up that contract review. Um, but I definitely agree that you know this vision of helping uh the negotiation process um and and remembering you know what type of positions is the right fallback position so you know position so that it's it's safe in you know round of negotiation. I mean this is something that AI that that is a pure promise of AI and actually I, not of even AI is 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 you know is uh, is data mining, data analysis, exactly. It's just understanding you know the statistical probability that this language will pass with this type of clients or 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 this type of suppliers on the other side. Mm. It's um, this is going to be industry specific. This is going to be jurisdiction specific. Um, and so again, like I I really feel that I mean. I feel that in legal tech, we have tried to make fit a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the process in boxes. And and I think that can work for the US market and the UK market and, you know, on, on certain type of document. But I feel like as soon as you start going to other industries that are less common, or as soon as you start going to the rest of the world where they are going to use different languages or different legal concept, this is not necessarily going to work. Yeah. Um, and... And so on our side, we we want to make sure that we we have an approach that can work across, uh, you know, and that if we have clients tomorrow in Brazil, that they can make it work in Brazil very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's a fascinating, you know, fascinating concept. I would love to actually chat more with you about, you know, what you guys. I mean, are are you actually doing working on this? Like the this whole concept that you mentioned about, you know. No, this is remembering like no? it's, it's just or, a,
0: no. It's something. It's something that I. Um, I'm just quite. I'm quite passionate about because um, you know I, I kind of used to do it manually. Essentially, you know when you um, when you get a, a contract in from a, another law firm, um, you know I used to go and basically go and find, the, you know, pretty, like, and I was a corporate lawyer, so it'd be like an SBA coming in from another law firm. You know, you can be pretty sure that we've we've marked up as a law firm, we'd we'd marked up and reviewed and worked with that that standard, you know, contract before. And so, you know, just through a quick IMANage search, and you know, and a lot of these, you know, because they're on standard form paper, a lot of them actually say, you know, Clifford Charles, Norton Rose, Links, or whatever on the front of the contract themselves. You'd be you'd you'd be able to find an example of something, and then you'd be able to find um, our law firm's first markup of that of that contract, and you know, obviously, you'd have to still sense check it; it wouldn't be totally relevant, but it would give you a good steer actually about how other people had approached marking up a first draft from the, from that law firm. So, you know, I, I was kind of doing it manually, and that was one of my techniques. Um, and I, but I just thought, you know, on a much larger scale, actually, that I was limited to what, to what I could find, but with a better structure of data and more intelligence thrown at the thrown at the challenge, you could get to a point actually that would be quite quite neat actually
1: yeah no i i completely agree and that's yeah yeah i completely agree
0: yeah okay so so finally um Christoph, um obviously we mentioned earlier that, that you know ai gets a lot of hype in 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 legal tech and it's uh, perhaps only second to block blockchain i think um i would say um but but what do you actually think is legitimately exciting when you look ahead where do you think ai is going to have the most impact you know in the coming few years what should people be
1: looking out for I mean, you know, obviously I'm biased, right? I'm in AI. And on, on our side, what we're seeing is that there are massive progress in terms of how machines are able to understand and generate legal te- text in general and legal text in particular. And so this is going to be, you know, it's it, for me, you know, it feels like we just had the time where you used to, you know, as a farmer, you used to plow everything, your, you know, your field manually, and then suddenly you have a tractor, you know, and how does that change your world? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it feels like this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. Uh, and this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you still need someone on the, you know, on the wheel to drive everything, and you still need to be able to, um, to know exactly how to do your job, uh, you need to manage the risk of your clients, etc. But I think the the tools that are going to empower people to do a lot more, um, you know, with you know, with less time, um, it's, it's you know, it's coming to the to the legal world. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's, you know, I I think for that reason, you know, the hype is not necessarily unjustified. Um I think some of the promises have been made too early and I think it's going totally, to take yeah. you know uh, it, it's going to take a, a while. You know, I mean we were just talking about the redlining part, right? I mean the really cool AI language model today that are might be capable of doing that just came out, you know, last year. So before we can even find how we can apply them, you know, from an industrial standpoint and find how we can help, you know, solve lawyers' problems, mm. you know, it's going to take a while, but at the same time, it feels like, you know, a lot of the redlining tools that may have been created before, they need to, you know, just like with the coming up deep learning, they need to look at these new technologies because it's going to be a game changing as well. Yeah. Um,
0: totally. No, I think it's definitely a future, I see it as a future of augmented intelligence, like we touched on earlier. Um, you know, there is no, being honest, there's no, there's no area of legal practice that I I, I think uh, AI and a greater level of intelligence wouldn't, wouldn't support, wouldn't, wouldn't help. And I think it's just key to move away from this kind of the, these grand statements where we're thinking about AI as, as that kind of thing that will come along and solve all, all problems and actually take people's jobs. I think it's just not helpful to talk about it in that way. It's just, we should be focusing on yeah, you know, almost like you know, in our personal lives, we we leverage uh, intelligent tools every single day. I do, you know, with um, you know, with a range of different things, whether it's you know on on my on my phone or through Alexa or my watch or whatever it might be, assistance on on my laptop. It's just become part of my day, and it's made me more productive, more efficient. And that's just the case for for lawyers. And and so I think the bigger challenge is just to focus on getting prepared for that that future state. Um, and thinking about how are you going to to prepare for it, and, and what areas of your what areas of your your work it can have the most impact on. But um, and and so I think
1: yeah, I mean the the big challenge here on the hype is that it has set expectation from clients very high. Exactly, and it it, it you know we, I mean we received some inbound this week where I was like, I mean. The, the lawyer was asking if we could do a series of things. And obviously what, what, we does, what he was describing was a dream tool but truth is that you know, we might be there in two or three years, but we are not there today. And the technology is not even there yet. Um, one, w- one of the challenges, right, and I think that's one of the things that we, we are addressing quite well at DELA, is that to be able to achieve uh, true insight and AI uh, for lawyers, you need a way to share data confident you know respecting confidentialities and securities across clients like you can't just have one single client you know and just using just their data for the AI except if they have a massive law firm mm. but for the rest of the world that doesn't work you need a way to find a way to to share that data in, you know and on our side like we actually are. Yeah, you know, we have a process to create the data as anonymize data, et cetera, or training to do a lot of things to make it uh, very secure. But the you, you can't get inside about, you know, the position that you are munching or is it market, is it fair, what was, the, you know, all those type of things without being able to do that at scale. Right? Yeah. So you need find, you need, you need technology that work at scale, and you need a technology that is uh, respecting confidentiality, um, of client data, but mm. also who is not afraid of it. Who is not going to tell you, oh, we are just going to work on premise or those type of things or only on your data. Mm. So the truth is that if you are only doing that, you are going to be missing out on the next big development uh, that are coming up. Yeah. And that's that's you know and that's where, you know, I think lawyers need to make peace with that at some point and and, and realize if we really want all the benefit of AI, we need to get comfortable with um where the system is learning not just from us but from you know a lot everybody couldn't agree everybody, more.
0: couldn't agree more. And that's where we start to get into those discussions around federated learning. Um, yes, but, um, exactly. and which are
1: saying that yeah, yeah, which is a whole
0: probably a whole different episode in its own right. But I know I know there have been some discussions going on in in the industry around that. But I think you're absolutely right. Which is for this to be re- truly useful, we need to be a little bit more flexible and um, collaborative in the in the kind of the data sets that we're using and leveraging to get the best possible outcomes so i, I couldn't agree and more to, to
1: be honest as a technical wonder, right you just need to be very transparent with with your clients about this is what's happening to the data mm-hmm. this is all the assist- things that we do to protect it uh so that they are comfortable with it you know and you know and on all side it's you know it seems to be working yeah so far you know We've, uh, we have offered some clients to have their own models and not share it with the rest of the world, but everybody has elected to share it so that it's um it's getting better for everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have less work to do, and it's less expensive, you're getting value faster.
0: Yeah, the trick the, the trick is to to be clear about risk mitigation, but to focus heavily on the value. Um,
1: and I think yeah, that's yeah. that. You have to be transparent about what you're doing, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anyway, Christopher, as usual, you know, I always finish these podcast episodes by always saying pretty much the same thing, which is I could t- I could carry on talking for a lot longer. And and I think that's a symptom a symptom of uh, of how interesting the guests are. So, um this is certainly an episode where I could carry on talking about some of these issues for a lot longer, but um that was absolutely fascinating and and you know, Della sounds like a an well, I know it is and it sounds like a fantastic platform. I think it's approaching things in a in a very interesting way one that Keeps it simple and, and delivers quick value and reduces that friction for for its users. Um, and so, I think it's I think it's been been fascinating to to hear your insight and your background and and what you guys are doing, Adela, and and that, and also touch on some of the areas that that might be areas of focus in the future. So that again, that's really really interesting. So thank you, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Rob. Uh, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed the discussion. So
0: yeah, no, it was great great to have you on. So thank you. Uh, And then for everyone else listening, the next episode of the Legal Tech Arcade podcast will be out very soon. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Legal Tech Arcade podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then please go ahead and subscribe. Thanks for listening and see you next time.